title for this episode is Truth, Existence and Possibility. Now we have discussed many things in the previous two episodes and uh, this one I will change tack slightly uh, and describe three ideas about what we mean by existence, uh, how it is sometimes manifest and unmanifest and when it is manifest sometimes it's called true and sometimes it's called false the reason for this discussion is that uh, in vedic philosophy as a, uh, as an you know uh, a number of religious philosophies the material world is considered to be somehow inferior to the spiritual world and uh, because it's considered inferior some people tend to say that this material world is an illusion whereas the spiritual world is reality now in other philosophies at least in in, in all modern scientific philosophy we do not accept that the material world is an illusion of course illusions can also exist but uh, uh, we generally do not accept that Uh, the material world is an illusion and yet it is called avidya or ignorance so there is a sense in which the world exists and yet there is another sense uh, in which it is inferior so <clears throat> what are these different senses uh, in which it's it, it's called an illusion or ignorance and uh, what is the sense in which it is real so to begin discussing this uh, now these these differences between the material and the spiritual world uh, we should go back to that question of uh, gyanam where i described that uh, initially as knowledge and then as knowability and the general idea is that certain things are at least in this in this material world they are they become uh, visible and uh, after some time they become invisible and then the classic example of that visibility and invisibility is that people are born and then people die certain things that happened yesterday may not happen today may again happen tomorrow and and so on so the world is said to exist as a, as a as a as a possibility and uh, which is sometimes called avyakta and uh, we spoke about uh, or we discussed how uh, god has the possibility of the world in him but then he expresses that possibility uh, as speech uh, which is the point at which becomes manifest now when it becomes manifest then it's also knowable it becomes observable and then we can uh, speak about its existence <clears throat> but there's a very important verse in in bhagavad gita which says nasato vidyate bhavo na bhavo vidyate sataha ubhayor api drashtyontas tu anyos tattu darshibi so in this verse three important words are used uh, the first is sataha and uh, 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 nasata 
So sata means that which exists or that which exists eternally. And nasata uh, means that which doesn't exist or doesn't exist eternally. Then vidyate is vidya means knowledge. So vidyate means that which becomes knowable and avidya would become that which is unknowable or uh, which is incorrect knowledge. Vidya means knowledge. So uh, in, in, in sometimes you can say that uh, so anything that's, you know, knowledge is, is called uh, or experience uh, th that is uh, vidya and something that is an illusion is called avidya. And then the third word is called bhava and abhava or nabhava, uh, which bhava means something that is present and nabhava means something that is absent. So to understand this, uh, this, this verse in Bhagavad Gita, the, the first thing is that uh, what is this sataha? What is that which exists eternally? Because obviously we cannot see everything uh, that has existed in the past and we don't see at the present what might exist in the future. So this existence is described as a possibility. Uh, which uh, we, we can also call avyakta, unmanifest. So the first part of this verse says nasato vidyate bhavo, which means uh, that which did not exist previously cannot come into existence. Right? So na asata means, sata means that which exists eternally and uh, Nasata means that which did not exist eternally. Vidyate means has become present or knowable to us, and uh, uh, knowable to us. And bhava means that which has be, you know become present. So we cannot know at the present what did not exist eternally. Right. So what what exists eternally exists as a possibility. Now that possibility sometimes becomes manifest, which is what we call present. And uh, when it has become uh, reality in, in the sense that from a possibility to a reality, uh, uh, we can start calling it as, as, as existence or, or reality and uh, it becomes knowable. But all that is knowable is not necessarily true. And uh, within truth, there's we can distinguish between truth, right, and good. And I'll, I'll come to that subsequently. But there are essentially three stages in which we talk about, uh, uh, you know, the what we mean by reality, right? So in some sense, you can say that every fact that I can observe can be called reality. But that is sort of not the definition of reality that we're looking at because... Uh, even right now I can see there's a tree uh, and uh, maybe the tree will die you know a few years from now and then it will sort of cease to exist but right now it's a fact so the claim is that from a world of possibilities uh, from a realm of possibilities a domain of possibilities something comes into existence that's what is called uh, uh, bhava, 
Bhava means coming into existence. And when it comes into existence, then it becomes known. Because everything that exists may not be necessarily be known. You know, there's this famous, uh, uh, you know, uh, problem in philosophy where we say that, let's suppose an apple fell into a forest and nobody saw it. Did it really happen uh, if you have not seen it, right? So, <clears throat> from the possibility, something comes into existence. When it comes into existence, then it becomes known or it can be known. But everything that's known is not true. And uh, everything that is true may not be right and may not be good. So we'll go into that discussion subsequently. So there are kind of these four stages uh, where possibility uh, becomes reality or uh, something comes into existence and then it becomes uh, knowable and then we can decide whether it's true or not. So... To start uh, discussing some of these things, let's let's begin at the tail end of this uh, uh, of these uh, uh, four stages and talk about what is the difference between uh, a fact and the truth. What is a fact and what is true? So a common example. Uh, of, of this distinction uh, between fact and truth always arises whenever we have uh, a sentence, for example, or something or anything that has meaning. So I might say the sky is purple and the sentence exists. It might uh, also exist as a thought in me and I can say that thought exists. So in that sense, it is vidyate. Uh, means I believe in it, I know it, and it is bhava, means it exists, right? So my knowing it means it, it exists uh, in my mind or it, the sentence exists and somebody else can know it. But it is not true. Sky is not purple, but the thought that sky is purple or the sentence that the sky is purple can exist. Now, this distinction between truth and meaning only arises when we speak about semantic objects or when we speak about sentences. Uh, if we talk about a table, for example, uh, or, or, or some physical object, table is a wrong example, and I'll come to that in a second. If you just talk about physical things, then uh, existence itself is considered true. Uh, in, in logic, for example, there is this famous, you know, uh, decoupling or, or, you know, expansion of logic where uh, it is said that to say that something is true is only to say that something exists. And uh, to say that, uh, you know, uh, sky is blue is to say that, you know, this is expanded in logic, is to say that, uh, you know, there is something that called sky that exists and the sky is blue. But what really exists, you don't know because it might be uh, your hallucination or your experience, or, you know, or, or it might be true, but it might not always exist, right? So the tree might... Uh, be seen right now but might not exist a few years from now so if you say the sky is blue uh, or this tree exists is it always true 
because logical truth or universal truth is supposed to be always true in all places in all times so the sky might not might seem blue here because the sky is clear but in another place it might be dusty or cloudy and might not seem blue it might seem dark or yellow and things like that so there's a difference between what exists what is knowable what is true and then what uh, was before that it, you know it came into existence and the first distinction is that between existence and truth now we have many common examples of that like um, sky may uh, uh, i might think the sky is purple but it's not really purple uh, and and but yet i might see it as as purple or i might think as a purple uh, think think as being purple or i might say that the sentence you know sky is purple exists so <clears throat> because of these forms of existence we distinguish between the existence of a sentence or existence of a thought or existence of a experience from the truth of that thought or experience or perception so the first distinction arises you know everything that exists is not necessarily true and this is because the existence is uh, different from the meaning of that existence so for example if you say the sentence the sky is purple the existence of the sound or the words the grammatical formation is the existence but the meaning is that uh you know there is something called a sky which has the property of being purple property of the color being purple and uh the sentence exists the meaning exists but the meaning is not true right so when we draw these uh, distinctions then we can say that uh existence uh, doesn't always entail the truth but if we don't have uh or if we don't treat the world as uh, you know as, as as you know as a difference as a combination of meaning and things or the symbols of meaning uh, in this case the sentence is a symbol of meaning uh, but if we don't treat the world as symbols that point we would end up saying that merely because the sentence exists therefore i don't have to worry about what it means and because i don't worry about what it means therefore i don't have to worry about whether it is true the existence of the sentence itself is truth and this is how uh, truth is studied in modern science uh, for example if, if you say that uh, you know some some somebody will ask you know does an electron exist or does a proton exist and the, the the answer in physics would be yeah i made an observation this observation detected you know certain clicks or certain trajectories and therefore the electron exists but a deeper question could be that by that analogy i could have been dreaming or i might have this thought i might have this experience uh, that the sky is purple and uh, therefore you know that is also true so the distinction between you know experience or knowing uh, even existence you know because the distinction is drawn uh, between this existence and truth therefore it is possible at this at this moment let's just say it's, it's possible that 
All that we see is not actually true and yet it exists. Right? So that would kind of bring me back to the point that we started with by saying that this material world uh, is said to be an illusion in some sense and therefore many people kind of conclude that it really doesn't exist that it's all phantasm of my or it's an imagination of my you know mind or brain and things like that but there are also systems in philosophy where we say the world really exists and these two systems of philosophy one which say the world exists and the other one that says it doesn't exist it's a fantasy phantasm seem to be contradictory but they don't have to be contradictory if we bring in the distinction between existence and truth so you could say that the world exists as false propositions the proposition exists but it is false so whatever i am experiencing uh, you know is is can be a, so i might say that i observe the electron and uh, therefore the electron exists but if he asked what is the meaning of this electron in in other words if the electron is like a sentence the existence of that electron doesn't mean it is true right so <clears throat> all physical sciences can now be subject to this question of being uh, you know an illusion uh, not illusion in the sense that i don't see it but in the sense that it's a false proposition the proposition is exists but it is not true and in, and we'll come back to how this falsity exists and you know things like that after we discuss um, you know how this thing comes into existence itself now the answer to that later question is that it always existed as a possibility it was you know uh, and and that's why it is said na sato vidyate bhava bhava means that which has come into present must have existed uh, because whatever doesn't exist cannot come into existence and that goes back to that previous conversation we had in the last episode about ex nihilo creations so nothing can come out or nothing can manifest which did not exist previously it had to have existed but it was unmanifest it was avyakta it was not expressed so what existed previously was simply a possibility it was avyakta unmanifest and now it has become a reality or something that i can know uh, or experience uh, and uh, because it has become yakta or expressed or knowable uh, it has come from uh, something that previously existed and what previously existed is existing eternally so the possibility is eternal now take an example uh, which might make sense to a lot of people uh, we can talk about dinosaurs so evolutionary theory for example would say that dinosaurs evolved from more primitive you know biological entities and after some time the dinosaurs became extinct and today we do not see dinosaurs <clears throat> now there are two different descriptions of this evolutionary process uh, and sort of uh, this is this is a problem that uh, most people uh, do not understand because evolution can be a fact but 
the explanation of the evolution or we call, can call the theory of evolution uh, can be different from so you might accept the fact of evolution but not the theory of evolution and uh, in the modern theory of evolution we, we would say that there were atoms and molecules there's nothing like possibility so dinosaur was uh, doesn't exist eternally as a possibility but these atoms and molecules combine and uh, some structure or uh, body which we call the dinosaur is created and then these molecules disperse and the dinosaur disappears. That means dinosaur is not existing eternally. But we say that the dinosaur exists eternally as a possibility. And uh, Again, going back to that point, Nasato Vidyate Bhavo, that which did not exist eternally as a possibility cannot come into existence because that would mean ex nihilo creation. Now, the ex nihilo in this case pertains to information. Uh, you can say that this aggregation of molecules into a body that we call dinosaur involves a certain amount of complexity information. And uh, because the dinosaur was created, uh, in, in, a, in a certain age, uh, therefore this information was created and then this information was destroyed. But in this case, in, in the Vedic philosophical case, we say that information is not created, it is not destroyed. It was there, previously the dinosaur existed as a possibility, it became manifest and then again it became unmanifest. Right? So that's the meaning of Nasato Vidyate Bhava. If you simply say Nasato Vidyate Bhava, uh, it implies that the dinosaur did not come out of vacuum, information was not created. And uh, today, whatever, you know, dinosaurs are not seen, but they have not ceased to exist. That's the next sentence, Nabhava Vidyate Sataha. So Nabhava means something that's absent, Vidyate means... Uh, you know that which uh, is knowable and uh, sata means that uh, that which exists so <clears throat> that which exists eternally cannot become uh, cannot be known to have become totally absent right it has ceased to exist and yet we are not able to see it right so this distinction between possibility and reality uh, which is different from the distinction between reality and truth. Uh, this, this, uh, this, this first distinction between possibility and, and reality helps us make uh, yet another, uh, you know, difference between uh, what, you know, this, this notion of what exists or not doesn't exist. And if it exists, uh, then it is also true. But if it doesn't exist, then it was sort of, this, you know, created. Now let's briefly talk about what, what do we mean by possibility and uh, in what shape, form, etc. it exists. We have discussed about the three aspects of God and three aspects of soul and we said that these three aspects also exist in matter. So there are three kinds of possibilities and uh, there are you know, Sat, Chit and Ananda, Sat is the possibility of all concepts 
or ideas like uh, you know dinosaur dog cat yellow human beings races colors all these things which which are all universals as ideas then similarly there's a possibility for individuals right so there can be an instance of yellow instance of dinosaur instance of human instance of a chair you know and things like that and the third thing is uh, these relationships so relationship of father and mother you know friends brother master and you know servant uh, owner of a company owner of a land king of a land uh, and and so on so there is like these infinite kinds of uh, relationships so this is the possibility now, there are three kinds of possibilities of concepts of uh, relationships and of individuals but every possibility also has to combine with some other possibility to become observable or you know what we called uh, uh, bhava bhava means that has come into present or existence and uh, vidyate which means i can now know it so it has to combine which means to say that if uh, if if the idea of dinosaur exists eternally Uh, but it doesn't combine with an individual which means no individual is born as a dinosaur the dinosaur is simply an idea at the present moment and uh, if it doesn't combine then we do not see a dinosaur so what is coming into existence and and uh, and, and even if it became a you know combined with 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 a you know individual the universal combined with an individual i might not know that dinosaurs really exist and this is what the movie jurassic park is all about that there is a world in which dinosaurs exist but you know somehow some people go into the jurassic park and then they see the dinosaurs right so these three things have to exist the dinosaur idea has to exist eternally it has to combine with an individual to create a dinosaur but you might not know the dinosaur really exists so you have to come in contact with it so you have to have a relationship with that and uh, when you come into that relationship that's when you get this jurassic park situation where there is a dinosaur is an idea there is an individual dinosaur and then you are seeing it so to see uh, or to have this experience these three possibilities have to combine uh, the possibility of an idea that of an individual and that of a relation now once they all combine then uh, you get this experience of the present uh, which is uh, which is you call experience and then you can say it exists so what is possibilities it is these three types of possibilities and what we call experience or reality or observation is uh, is is the combination of these three possibilities <clears throat> now now the contention is made in in vedic philosophy that some of these combinations are true some of them are not some of them are right some of them are not some of them are good and some of them are not now it's very or it's relatively easier to make the distinction between right and wrong good and bad uh by these combinations so for example you can say that i have a knife 
and uh, I can use that to cut fruits and vegetables and that is sort of a legitimate use of the knife but somebody else can also use the knife to hurt another person and that would be an illegitimate use. Now again in in these two cases there is a combination there is a knife there is an you know idea knife there is an individual knife and it's being combined with something else in the first case a fruit and somebody another case let's say somebody's you know hand and uh, the first one is uh, the right use of the fruit uh, of the knife and, and in the second case they it's a wrong use similarly you can say that uh, on a cold day fire makes you know gives me happiness pleasure so there is a combination there's an interaction and you can say this is a good use of fire on a hot day which when things are really really hot and then you sit in front of fire you can say this is not uh, this is not a good use of fire so right and good becomes um, re relatively easier to explain it is little harder to explain whether this combination is also not true right uh, so uh, let, let's now come to what do we mean by whether this combination is true or false. Now the basic idea is that <clears throat> you have words in the sentence. Uh, you have dictionaries for example and uh, the words are there in that they are sounds and uh, they have meanings. But you can combine these words in many different ways to construct infinite different sentences. So some of these sentences are true and some of these sentences are false. Not everything that can be created from uh, the dictionary words uh, is necessarily going to be true. But does it mean the words themselves are unreal? No, the words are real in the sense that, you know, they are eternally existing. So they are eternally, you know, they are eternally a possibility. And the combination of the words are also eternally a possibility. But sometimes when these combinations are produced uh, and a sentence is created, that at that point, the sentence becomes a fact and you can know it. It's observable and things like that, but it is not true. Right. So in one sense, we can say that because the sentence is created from dictionary words, therefore the words are real, the combination uh, was eternally possible and yet it is false. So existence of falsity doesn't mean hallucination. It simply means a wrong sentence, a sentence whose meaning is wrong. It doesn't mean the world has ceased to exist. That means uh, the claim that it is avidya or ignorance or illusion doesn't mean it, it literally doesn't exist. It exists as a sentence that whose meaning is false. Now, when we say that the, <coughs> the, the things in this world are false, this is not a claim about absolute falsity. 
It is simply a claim saying that the words in a dictionary exist and they can be combined, the possibility of the words and the possibility of uh, uh, their combination is eternal and yet the combinations are false. That is not an absolute statement about everything is false. It is simply saying that some of the things or most of the things can be false. Because if everything was false, then it would eliminate the possibility of you know, knowledge from this world. For example, um, impersonalists make this claim that this world is false. Uh, but uh, if, if, if that was the case, then even Vedic scriptures would be false. There would be absolutely no claim that can be made that is, you know, correct. And uh, if if those claims cannot be made, then I cannot know the nature of reality because, uh, let's say, the Vedic scriptures which are giving me information about reality would also be false. After all, they are claims that exist in this world as books and verses and, uh, uh, you know, text and so on. So... If we start saying that everything is false or uh, either it either it doesn't exist, which we said that, uh, you know, that would also entail that whatever I sort of know is, 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 is only my hallucination or imagination and therefore the world really doesn't exist. But even if you say that the world exists and you still say it is false, uh, in that situation also we would end up with this conundrum that uh, I cannot know the nature of reality. So both situations lead to the collapse of knowing the truth, uh, at least in this world. So <clears throat> we have to refrain from this idea that uh, you know the world is a hallucination because then reality would be unknowable. Similarly, we have to refrain from the claim that uh, everything is false. Because that would mean that reality is completely unknowable. So we have to accept or say that uh, certain things in this world are true and certain other things are false. Right? So Vedic scriptures would be an example or, or any knowledge claim saying that this is uh, true would be a claim that certain things are true. Which means the combinations are true. Right? And uh, <clears throat> those, those, and, and, and some combinations are false, and some combinations are true. Uh, but we have to be able to distinguish between uh, which combinations are true and which combinations are false. Now, <clears throat> once we accept that certain claims are true, uh, the next claim uh, that is made is that uh, when <clears throat> false claims are made then certain other true claims become untenable. For example, you might say that uh, the sky is purple and uh, that would uh, make uh, the claim that the sky is blue untenable because in a logical system, you, you know, if, if, if the sky is blue, then it cannot simultaneously be purple uh, at the same place, at the same time, uh, for the same person. Uh, in the same situation, so uh, we, we would have to say that certain claims become untenable. So the existence of falsity essentially eliminates certain other possibilities. And uh, this is then the 
the cause of evolution of this world which means to say that when a false claim is made certain other claims become untenable and therefore they're not observable for example if you if you indeed saw the sky was 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 purple then you would not see the sky as being blue at the same time and uh, that uh, would you know change or, or make it impossible to know that the sky is blue at the same time but then after some time sky might come back blue and then you might say the sky is purple is a false claim so the existence of falsity is the cause of the evolution of this world because uh, the existence of these falsities uh, eliminates certain other claims and uh, those claims become untenable at least uh, for uh, for a brief period of time so if all the claims were true then the changes of this world would stop that means if if i say that uh, you know this uh, you know i am a human being that claim would cease to be true after some years when i die but if this claim was indeed true then it should never become untenable thus a difference is drawn between a spiritual world and a material world and 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 the difference is this in the material world there are many false claims doesn't mean everything is false but there are indeed many false claims and because these claims are false the world evolves which means certain things appear the dinosaurs appear and the dinosaurs disappear and the appearance of the dinosaur is basically some soul saying that i am a dinosaur and because the claim is false after some time the claim disappears and another claim appears but in the spiritual world only true claims are made and and all the claims they are true therefore they don't preclude the possibility of other true claims and uh, since all these claims can exist simultaneously therefore the world doesn't evolve now in one sense the material world is more encompassing or bigger so to speak in terms of all the claims because it contains uh, true claims and it also contains false claims and the spiritual world is uh, is, is 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 sort of smaller in in the sense that uh, uh, only true claims are made but in another sense what happens is that when you make a false claim uh, uh, lots of other claims which might otherwise be true are also eliminated so uh, from a perspective of possibilities these two worlds are literally infinite but from the perspective of certain things only existing which are true versus certain subsets of those possibilities existing in this material world which are true at a certain moment in time uh this uh, this this subset because it is smaller therefore the world also seems small now this is uh you know when we if we can understand these things uh, very nicely over a period of time we might be able to show and prove that uh 
this material world becomes uh, smaller or equal to size in terms of all that can exist. Uh, uh, sorry, all, all that can be you know, true at a given point in time. Uh, but for now, just, let's just you know, accept that the possibilities are infinite, a certain subset of possibilities is true and a certain subset of possibilities is false. And when it is false, then it evolves over a period of time. But when it is true, it doesn't evolve, so it remains sort of eternal. Now, based on this distinction between uh, truth and false, uh, the next claim is made in Vedic scriptures that certain things, even in this world, are eternally true. And uh, that doesn't mean that they don't appear and disappear in this world. It simply means that they're eternally present in the spiritual world. So, for example, when God advents in this world, that's an eternal truth. It's not that God appeared once and, and I could, uh, you know, I, I, then I can see him eternally. No. God appears and then disappears. So this appearance and disappearance uh, in, this, in this world doesn't mean that God is, uh, you know, non-eternal or God is also temporary. It simply means that God's appearance is temporary, not that God is you know, temporary. And that distinction is, is made because God is eternally a possibility and uh, therefore as a possibility he is eternally existing. And then there is an appearance, uh, just like you might say, you know, you might utter a sentence which is called manifestation. And uh, when that manifestation occurs, then you can see. But somebody can still argue that even though I could see God at that point in time, uh, but God could still be a false statement, just like you might say sky is purple. And uh, because, it's, uh, because the statement is false, therefore the statement disappears and therefore God's appearance was there at that moment, but it is not eternal truth. It is eternal possibility. It was experienced at a certain time, but it is not true. Now, that claim is, uh, you know, rejected by saying that there is a world in which, uh, you know, God eternally exists. And, uh, but how do you substantiate that claim? And the answer to that is that uh, there is a subset of possibilities which can manifest and they are mutually consistent possibilities. So the appearance of this one of these possibilities doesn't eliminate, you know, the, the possibilities which are true in that subset. And when we take uh, that subset of possibilities uh, which are mutually consistent, then there is no need for a change. And uh, that basically comes down to the proposition that all change occurs because there is an inconsistency in your system of claims. So, for example, <clears throat> this, this, this is a crude example where you, you might say that uh, two propositions X and Y are true, but 
x and y are incompatible claims. So you might sometimes say that x is true and therefore y is false and then x and then y would be sort of cease to exist or as a, as a claim because you know it's it's incompatible with x uh, and uh, x sort of becomes more dominant uh, as a claim and people start believing in that claim uh, and after some time y may become the stronger claim and then x is eliminated as a claim so uh, an illustration of that idea would be that uh, today, in, in, in today's world, uh, uh, science has a lot of dominance. So we, we, we make these claims about scientific truth and things like that and all religious claims are slowly disappearing in this world. Or even if they exist in this world, they are being modified to somehow become compatible with scientific claims. But if the religious claims became dominant, then uh, scientific claims would gradually disappear. Insofar as both these claims exist, you would see a clash between religion and science because each one is trying to become more dominant. And, uh, and, and, but these claims cannot exist simultaneously. So if, if atheism or materialism rises, then religiosity or you know understanding of God and soul will slowly die down, uh, and uh, vice versa. So, <clears throat> change in this world is the result of these contradictions. When you have two contradictory claims, one of the claims becomes more dominant, and the other claim gets subordinated. And, and this is a very uh, generic theme of change that uh, I'll probably discuss in a future episode where. Uh, all change is essentially a change in the dominant and subordinate patterns of these diverse ideas. We have already talked about how you know these these claims are uh, you know all possibilities, uh, but a subset of these possibilities are co you know are consistent and compatible. And uh, when uh, when when one claim rises to dominance. Everything that is compatible or consistent with it sort of also becomes dominant and everything that is incompatible or inconsistent with that claim becomes subordinate. And when it becomes subordinate, it slowly ceases to exist, but it doesn't completely uh, become absent. So the preliminary idea about the difference between the material world and the spiritual world is this. Uh, the difference is that in the material world, the claims tend to be mostly or almost always incompatible. And this incompatibility causes the evolution of this world. So it's, uh, it, it's not an evolution that is driven by, like in, 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 in modern science, we say that you have premise and then you have a conclusion. And uh, uh, the conclusion follows logically from the premise, right? And, and we can say that uh, the conclusion is consistent with the premise. So in Western logic, all change, uh, for example, in, in modern science, if you were to uh, 
describe the change, then there's a law of change, and according to that law, the premise logically follows from, well, the conclusion logically follows from the premise. But in the material world, the, the, the system explanation is that uh, change happens because there is incompatibility between the claims. And uh, these incompatible claims become more prominent and, uh, you know, uh, and, and subordinate. So, uh, for example, if, if, you, if you look at the political doctrines, there is this clash always between the left-wing and the right-wing ideologies. The right-wing basically says that, uh, you know, individuality is important, my culture, my heritage, all these things are important. But what happens is that because there are discrepancies in society uh, and uh, some people have been richer, more powerful, more educated and, and, and so on. Uh, and, you know, all those people who have been subordinated in society, they sort of rebel. And then the opposite ideology comes into play, which says that all people are equal, so they must be given equal opportunities, equal uh, uh, you know, access to wealth and education and things like that. So, one of these, so each of these ideologies is incomplete in itself because it is not uh, delivering the good for everybody. And because they are incomplete, uh, there is a natural tendency to change them. And when the change happens, what we do is we say that let's look at the opposite ideology which is incompatible with it. And, uh, and because if, if this is incomplete, then the opposite probably is better. And therefore, we bring in the opposite ideology. So this is the dynamic of uh, change in which everything that is false is also said to be incomplete. And incompleteness simply means it brings problems and uh, when these problems arise, then we seek for an answer uh, to that problem. And uh, when we seek an answer, we, we, we pick up an incompatible ideology, which is also incomplete. Right. So between these two opposites, there is an incompleteness because each one is individually incomplete. And between these two opposites, there is an inconsistency because they are both you know, uh, logical opposites or conceptual opposites. And uh, because they're both incomplete, therefore there's a tendency to look for the opposite ideology. And uh, even the opposite is incomplete, therefore that incompleteness is going to bring back the first ideology. So this is the flipping of opposites in this world. And that flipping of opposites is the cause of uh, or, or as the phenomena of change and this flipping arises because no matter what you change it to you as long as you keep on picking stuff or, or ideas or propositions or claims that are incomplete claims you will keep on changing them now this is where the spiritual world is different that an alternative is picked that is not incomplete it is a complete you know proposition and when it becomes a complete proposition it doesn't need an opposite because it is already complete and uh, when when it becomes complete then the opposites uh, disappear and when the opposite disappear then the change stops 
So the cause of change in this material world is that everything is incomplete. Now that's, you can go back to that Purnamada Purnamidam claim. Uh, there are two kinds of, uh, you know, Purna. One is that you can have a material world which is all kinds of individually incomplete and, you know, collectively inconsistent claims. And you can have a world where everything is individually complete and collectively consistent. And uh, the material world will still evolve because everything is individually incomplete. So you have left-wing ideology, it has some problems. To solve the problems, you bring the right-wing ideology, but that also has some problems. So then you go back to the left-wing. So this is the model of cyclic change in which one thing becomes dominant, then it subordinates the opposite and the opposite thing because the first thing already had problems. So when it becomes very dominant, the problems of the first thing become very, very obvious. And then the second thing is brought because, but the second thing also has problems. So because each claim is incomplete claim, therefore they keep cycling. Therefore, several, you know, uh, you know, seemingly incompatible claims are made in Vedic philosophy. The, the, the first claim is that the material energy is also eternal. And what, that, what we mean by that eternity is that it's like a dictionary of words. Uh, the dictionary is eternal. All the words are possible. The second thing, uh, we say that all the sentences that can be made from the combination of words in this dictionary, they are also eternally possible. Uh, so in that sense, also the material world is eternal. But because some claims are mutually consistent and some claims are you know, mutually inconsistent, and this material world, if you bring in one inconsistent claim, uh, uh, at that point in time, there will be something wrong in this world which will tend to, uh, you know, cause a flip in the mode. And therefore, this world will keep on changing. Now, if most of the people are sort of good people or they make the right claims, they're good claims, they're true claims, then this inconsistency or one or two people who are um, sort of making the wrong claims, making false claims and so on, uh, they would be subordinated and, you know, this is described as the duration of the ages, right? Sat Yuga, Dwapar Yuga, Treta Yuga, Dwapar Yuga and Kali Yuga in which uh, in, in, in the Sat Yuga phase most of the people are good. And slowly uh, uh, the number of people who, who are engaged with the truth, right and good, they decline. And uh, as they decline, the conflicts increase. And uh, when we come to the point of, uh, you know, Kali Yuga, the conflicts become extremely intensified. And uh, when they become intensified, they are not losing their individual strength, right? So there's both left wing and right wing. There's, you know, all these opposing ideologies will continue to exist. And they will keep on flipping very, very rapidly. Um, whereas in the Satya Yoga, the ideologies would not flip. Simply one ideology will remain very dominant and the other ideology will remain subordinated. But as they become equal in strength, they start competing, clashing, fighting with each other. 
and then they start flipping so very very quickly that's why you see in in a span of you know sometimes in 10 15 years you'll see a left-wing government come in and if the whole world is swept by socialism and then another 15 20 years you'll see again right-wing ideology comes back into 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 power and uh, the world is swept by conservatism or you know right-wing uh, thinking and, and things like that so uh, in 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 the in the satyoga time frame these conflicting ideologies it's not that they did not exist but they are simply subordinated and society remains very very stable but by the time you uh, come to this position of kali yoga where these both these opposites they have become almost equal power and once they start getting almost equal power to battle with each other they they, they incorporate each other's ideas and the differences become sort of very very nuanced and uh, and, and, and subtle and uh, but they keep on flipping very very rapidly right so as as time progresses uh, you know over you know hundreds of thousands of years in, in this in this age of kali yuga you would see that uh, things will become extremely unstable right so the governments for example will fall they'll come into power they'll remain there for six months people will just change their mind oh this is not working this is too much problem they won't even get a chance to do anything and uh, you know again government will fall again a different ideology will come and then just keep on flipping rapidly so the cause of this change is that each ideology is you know incomplete and uh, they are inconsistent with uh, you know other ideologies so there's constant fighting so kala yuga for example kala means argument fighting uh, you know conflict and things like that so this this is the, the the cause of change but in the spiritual world what you get is a system of uh, you know complete claims and because they're complete they can you know eliminate all that is incomplete and uh, whatever is incomplete is also inconsistent so this this theme will will probably discuss in a future episode what is this nature of completeness and and consistency and how these uh, these are the central causes of uh, change now the conclusion or, or the, the simple uh, theme here is that uh, change is not happening due to logical consistency from the claim, uh, from the premises to the conclusions rather what is happening is that uh, there are certain things which exist at the present which we can call uh, uh, bhava right we talked about bhava and vidyate which is knowable so some things are known at the present but this is not complete knowledge something is missing and because it's missing uh, it brings in more problems those problems now become questions right so how do i solve this problem what is wrong with this present how do i make this present better and the answer is well the only alternative seems to be the opposite of what we're talking about and therefore as the problems uh, begin and then we try to incorporate the opposites and that leads to a conflict which then keeps on flipping uh, or changing in this world <clears throat> so the model of change is not driven by consistency so when we speak about rationality in this world our current models of rationality are all saying that you know i can uh, i can have 
you know built up uh, in knowledge slowly through consistent claims and then uh, you know even if they are incomplete right now i would sort of make them complete over a period of time but that is not the way uh, you know uh, history evolves and this is what uh, there is a famous book uh, which uh, you know it's called the structure of scientific revolutions by thomas kuhn and he talks about uh, that there is a phase of slow growth in science and then there's a paradigm change and the paradigm change essentially brings in uh, destroys whatever exists uh, previously and uh, it brings a new set of ideas uh, and uh, but what kuhn did not talk about is that so he, so he has the sawtooth structure of change where you know sort of there is slow rise and then sudden fall and then again slow rise and then sudden fall and things like that um, that is is partially true but we have a more sophisticated in in vedic philosophy notion of this idea that the change is cyclical uh, where you have everything that you get is incomplete and that competes with the opposite and then you know this, this changes keep on going cyclically uh so that so that's the difference between the material world and the spiritual world uh whereas uh, that spiritual world remains stable uh because it is complete uh this uh, this material world remains unstable because everything individually is incomplete and yet we say purnamadaha purnamidam which means this is also complete and what that means is that this this is two different kinds of uh, completeness uh, in the sense that all the sentences that you could say there and you know you could say here are you know possible here too so in that sense all the sentences are but they are not bhava there they are not manifest they are not vidyate there they are not knowable there they are not experienced so you, you you don't say that uh, uh, so, so so certain things like false claims do not exist in spiritual world can and are they possible yeah you know theoretically they are possible whereas in this uh, in this world uh, these become vidyate they become knowable you know they become present and things like that so from perspective of possibility the material world and the spiritual world is exactly identical everything is possible there everything is you know uh, possible here uh, but the difference is that the false claims do not become visible apparent knowable and things like that whereas they become uh, visible here in this world and when they become visible a conflict is created and cyclical change happens whereas in that world the cyclical change doesn't happen now another kind of uh, uh, a claim is made that uh, just because it, so in in the spiritual world you know uh, sort of time passes also uh, for example there is day and night uh, people get up uh, krishna for example goes to the forest uh, with his cows he plays with his friends and then the sun sets and then he comes back home right and then the cycle repeats again so there is Uh, there is a cyclical change there too and people might say that oh there is change happening there and there is change happening here so that you know change is is also you know indicative of temporariness 
and because it's temporary therefore it's it's non-different or, or you know similar to this world and because this world is called illusion ignorance and things like that uh, therefore any kind of change uh, would <clears throat> entail uh, the the existence of temporariness so this is where we need to sort of nuance and enhance our understanding of uh, the reason uh, this this these changes happen and uh, to 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 understand that we need to draw a distinction between change and motion uh, and what what we mean by change in motion let me let me pick an example from atomic theory and i'll generalize this example to help us understand uh, what is the difference between change and motion now in this world when i'm speaking and we discussed this before i tend to lose energy and once i lose energy i get tired now there are two models uh, of uh, description in modern science we would say that there was some energy in my body and i lost that energy and energy went out and uh, therefore there's something physical went out but that doesn't consider so that that's a classical physical description of the world where body has energy the energy leaves the body but in 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 when we talk about the world as possibility then we have to say that there is a body that's energized and there is a body that's non-energized and these two bodies are existing simultaneously as possibility so when we talk about change then the non or the energized body you know becomes unmanifest becomes you know avidyate or abhava you know so the the, the energized body becomes absent it's not knowable and uh, and the you know non energized body becomes manifest right becomes vyakta uh, and uh, so this is what we call change and uh, uh, so in in the bhagavad gita it, it is said that uh, just as uh, this uh, that, that just as the body evolves from childhood to youth to old age similarly there is a change at the time of death now this is talking about change it is different from motion and i'll come to that in a moment but change essentially means the body uh, Uh, body's capacities are changing in a very simple sense energized body to non energized body and then you eat food again or you sleep again or rest again and then body sort of becomes energized so from energized body to non energized body back to energized body and so on so that's change uh, it's a change in the body because both these bodies are simultaneously existing as a possibility but the soul moves from one body to another body right uh so what's the difference between change and motion the the difference is this <clears throat> when you have lost energy your capacities or capabilities have changed and this is <clears throat> in in atomic theory we, we say that uh Uh, the object is an ensemble of possibilities it's a collection of possibilities so in the energized state you could run you could walk you could talk you could write you could cook you could eat uh and uh, 
many of these capacities or capabilities get reduced or changed right so sometimes uh, you know certain things that i if i keep talking for a few hours after some time i'll feel tired i won't be able to talk so my capacity or capability of talking has reduced so we can say the ensemble or the ensemble of uh, possibilities has uh, has changed and that change in the ensemble of possibilities constitute or or represent the word change whereas motion is different motion is my possibilities are not changing but i am instantiating one possibility after another so for example i might have an energized body and i can uh, with that body i can either stand up or sit down or move my hand uh, or move my eyes and things like that so within the energized body there are several possibilities and i can enact them and uh, one after the other so if the possibility is not changing uh, so there is no change but the succession of enacting these possibilities constitutes what we call motion right so i am might go from this room to the other room in the energized body and then uh, so so that that would constitute motion but because if i keep walking i'll get tired therefore body is changing now in this material world what happens is this change and motion are so intertwined that uh, we are unable to make a distinction and that's the whole problem of conflict between uh, you know atomic physics physical description of the world which is a description of the world as possibility and the classical description uh, classical physical description of the world which is motion right so there is uh, you know the atomic theory is describing change and then classical physical theory is describing motion and because motion and change are so intertwined uh, that we are unable to distinguish between uh, these two things and what that essentially means is that if i talk for some time i am moving my tongue so there is some motion but then as a result of that motion i also get tired so the body is changing so there is motion change motion change motion change and so on and uh, Uh, that's uh, that that's that's uh, the nature of this uh, this world uh, but in the spiritual world what happens is this uh, change doesn't happen and yet motion keeps on happening and what it means to say that the capabilities or the possibilities that the body can perform do not change right so when krishna goes to the forest he doesn't lose the you know capacity or when he comes back he he is not tired he can go back to the forest again and yet he comes back so when we compare when we say that oh because you know things are happening cyclically even in the spiritual world and they are happening happening cyclically in this material world therefore both are cyclical changes and therefore that cannot be the absolute truth that cannot be the eternal truth uh because you know change is happening in both the worlds and that claim is false because uh because there's a difference between change and motion and in the spiritual world there is only motion which means you go but you don't get tired in this material world you go you do something and you feel tired right so uh, uh, 
so if the if this distinction between motion and change is not made then uh, uh, then then it gives the a, a, you know appearance that because both are changing or, or bo both are there's you know day and night happening there and then day and night happening here therefore these both worlds are changing and therefore they're not eternal and you know then whatever is not eternal cannot be considered uh, absolutely true so this this argument essentially uh, uh, rests upon the confusion between uh, motion and change and and this confusion exists because in this world it is it is very difficult to to understand or decouple you know motion and change however when somebody like yogis uh, in vedic description it said that yogis can elongate their life for very very long time or they can uh, keep doing things even if they don't eat food they don't feel tired and so on so a certain amount of you know this yogic mystical experience can affirm people to believe that uh, uh, that you don't always have to get tired when you have to work and and that happens because there is motion happening without change happening right so the body uh, doesn't have to go from childhood to youth to old age to death at you know let's say 80 years or 100 years it can go on for thousands and thousands of years and that's because the change is slowed down dramatically uh, and uh, but motion keeps on happening so uh, uh so so that 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 is uh, you know when when that conclusion is taken to its logical limit then we can say that there can be eternal motion without change and what that means is there is no birth death there is no person getting older uh, over a period of time and you know eventually dying and so on so we we have to distinguish between these uh, the the cause of change as we said earlier is is that there is incompatibility and inconsistency uh, between uh, two opposite claims but because each claim is incomplete therefore the opposite seems to be necessary and uh, so when the opposite is brought in the conflict is created and that cyclical change is really change it's not motion uh, and 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 therefore, uh, you know, this 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 material world is said to be changing, but modern science models it as motion, right? So this conflict is created between change and motion, but it requires a more subtle understanding of uh, how the world exists as a possibility. But the possibility has meaning. The meaning is incomplete. To complete the meaning, we take the opposite meaning. Now that creates a conflict, and that causes a change. Whereas in the spiritual world, the, uh, the, the possibilities are still eternal, but only the, uh, the consistent, uh, only the complete possibility is, is, is manifest. And therefore, there is no necessity for adding anything external and whatever is external remains you know, unmanifest and you know, is not visible and therefore conflict is not created and therefore cyclical change is not necessary what we see cyclically changing or is not actually change it's only motion